Early in the 19th century, a young surgeon named William Coley noted a peculiar trend in some of his cancer patients that he couldn't explain. For some reason, his patients who had a bacterial infection of their skin, called erysipelas, were also going into spontaneous remission of their cancer. His observations would lead to the idea that the immune system could alter the course of disease. Hi, my name is Joseph Malsbender. I'm a medical student and this is the Immunotherapy Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the discovery and development of immunotherapy. We will discuss some of the immunology and biology that led to the creation of what is now an immense field of cancer immunotherapy. We are also going to talk about their mechanism of action and how they actually work. This story starts a lot further back than you might guess. And it actually starts with a close friend of John Rockefeller Jr., one he described as his adopted sister, Elizabeth Bessie Daschle. Bessie Daschle was a 17-year-old girl when she was riding on a train for her family's summer vacation. On the train, she got her hands stuck between two passenger seats. The injury grew to be more painful in her hand, and over time, it worsened. More than a month later, she decided to see a doctor about it. She went to the young physician, William Coley. He took a biopsy of the wound and determined that unfortunately, Bessie did not just have a simple cut on her hand, but she had a very aggressive bone cancer. It was decided that she would need her arm amputated to avoid spread of her cancer to the rest of her body. In the late 18th century, cancer was really only cured by surgery, and Dr. William Coley did this. But unfortunately for Bessie, her cancer had already metastasized, and even though she had her arm amputated, Bessie died a year later. Dr. Coley was saddened and frustrated by the loss of Bessie and the fact that surgery was the only form of treatment for a cancer patient. He investigated other patients who had the same type of bone cancer as Bessie, and he noted a number of cases in which patients like Bessie went into a spontaneous remission after developing erysipelas, which is a bacterial infection of the skin. This bacteria can cause really high fevers and other effects that cause the immune system to mount a strong response. Dr. Coley thought that somehow the bacterial infection was killing the patient's cancer cells. He suspected that if he injected other patients with the same type of bacteria that causes erysipelas, called strep pyogenes, their cancer might also shrink. He did this in patients whose cancer was unable to be resected by surgery and found that several patients made complete recoveries from their cancer. The first person he did this to was a man named Zola. Even though the man had initially been diagnosed with terminal cancer, he lived for another 26 years, cancer-free after his treatment. This remarkable cure led to the birth of immunotherapies. This remedy was mysterious, however. Scientists, including Dr. Coley, didn't know exactly why it worked, 
and Dr. Coley's work did not gain a lot of recognition. Dr. Coley actually thought that the bacteria was releasing a toxin that was causing the cancer cells to die. Due to the lack of an explanation for what was happening, paired with the dangers of injecting a potent bacteria into a cancer patient, the treatment method was overlooked. Coley's experiments were ultimately hard to reproduce, and at around the same time, cancer treatments were quickly progressing with advances of radiation and chemotherapy. Radiation and chemotherapy were reliably producing results and became more popular while Dr. Coley's toxins were viewed as risky and unknown. It took Dr. Coley's daughter, Helen Knotts, to advance her father's work. Even though she did not have any medical education, she investigated her father's work in great detail. She felt that others had to know what her father had discovered. She published what she had found on her father's work, and the scientific community finally realized the revolutionary nature of Dr. Coley's experiments. If you recall, Bessie was a good friend of John Rockefeller Jr., and Rockefeller Jr. was also moved by the passing of Bessie and invested in the foundation of the Cancer Research Institute, which was started by Helen Knotts and her friend Oliver Grace in 1953. The mechanism of action of Coley's bacterial experiments started to gain traction in the following years. In 1957, it was discovered that lymphocytes, a type of immune cell in the blood, are actually able to act as surveillance for cancer cells. If the lymphocyte could find the cancer cell, then it could possibly kill it. This was a huge step, except that no one at the time knew what exactly made a cancer cell detectable by the lymphocyte. In fact, it wasn't until 1991 that an article was finally published that found a protein on a cancer cell that the lymphocyte was able to recognize. This kind of protein is called a tumor antigen, and finding it was so important because that meant that it was finally known what exactly immune cells were recognizing on the cancer cell. Let's pause here to give a little background on the immune system. For years, it was a mystery about how the immune system is able to differentiate a cell as being part of self, but also being damaged. The immune system is able to do this by recognizing proteins on the surface of the cell. If there are mutations in the DNA of the cell, this will lead to mutations in proteins that coat the surface of the cell. When the immune system comes into contact with these mutated or damaged proteins, there are three possible outcomes. The first is that the immune system can clear it by activating a range of cells to help destroy and break down the cancer cell. The second one is that it can see the cancer cell and not kill the cell, but also not allow it to grow further. And the third is the immune system may see the cancer and have no response, allowing the cell to continue to grow and proliferate. This third option leads to cancer, and because of this, people who have immune system deficiencies are actually at a higher risk of developing cancer. It has also been discovered that more successful cancers are more mutagenic, meaning that their DNA has more mutations, causing more mutated proteins. While researchers were trying to find these tumor antigens or mutated proteins expressed on the surface of the cell, there were also advances in the world of antibodies. An antibody is a Y-shaped protein that is able to bind to specific proteins. When an antibody binds to a protein, it is able to limit the expression or activity of that cell. Antibodies are able to bind to these tumor antigens on the cancer cell, and in 1997, the first antibody therapy became approved by the FDA. 
All of this research on how the immune system interacts with tumor cells led to the development of the most common form of immunotherapy today, which is called an immune checkpoint inhibitor. Every summer, oncologists meet in Chicago at this giant conference called ASCO, or American Society of Clinical Oncology. Here, oncologists meet to discuss the changes in the field and report on new studies that have come out. In the summer of 2011, the reports of a new drug called ipilimumab were being presented. Just months earlier, in March of 2011, ipilimumab had gained FDA approval. The checkpoint inhibitor was the first ever drug to be shown to increase survival in patients with metastatic melanoma. Approximately twice as many patients in the group that received the drug ipilimumab were alive two and three years after beginning treatment, compared to the group that received the standard of care chemotherapy. This drug was going to change the way that physicians could treat metastatic melanoma, and it gave an entirely new approach to the way that cancer could be treated. Excitement grew around the drug, and the researchers who worked on ipilimumab gained significant notoriety. The new drug called ipilimumab, described as the biggest breakthrough in melanoma treatment for 30 years, has given him and thousands of others hope. The results um, briefly showed that the patients who received ipilimumab lived significantly longer. Um, than the patients who received the, the chemotherapy alone. In a separate study, a one-off course of apilimumab meant patients who would have died in weeks or months survived years afterwards. One patient lived five more years. So these two new drugs are the first breakthrough in melanoma treatment for the past 30 years. Um, but they are not curative, but they give a significant extension of life in patients. And the important point is, is that they break the paradigm that melanoma rarely is an untreatable disease. This new class of drug was developed at the Sloan Kettering Institutes of Immunology program, which was led by Dr. James Allison. In 2018, James Allison and Tasuku Hanjo shared the 2018 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery of cancer therapy by inhibition of negative immune regulation. So what does inhibition of negative immune regulation really mean? Well, the healthy immune system is a very tightly regulated entity. If the immune system kills any cell that it comes into contact with, you might get an autoimmune condition in which healthy cells are being attacked and killed by your immune system. If, however, the immune system is not able to kill damaged or old cells that it should be killed, then you get proliferation of the cancer and possible growth of a tumor. As we discussed earlier, the immune system and normal cells of the body express a number of proteins on their cell membranes which interact with each other. Certain proteins on your cells say, hey, I'm healthy, don't harm me. This is considered a survival signal. Other proteins expressed on your cells might say, hey, I'm old, I'm ready to die, please recycle me. One of the ways that cancer cells are able to hide from the immune system is by expressing the certain proteins on their cell membranes that say, don't kill me, I'm a good cell. When an immune cell comes across this cell expressing this protein, this is called a checkpoint inhibitor. It prevents the immune cell from carrying out its ability to kill the potentially cancerous cell. James Allison and scientists realized that if you could prevent the interaction between the cancer cell telling the immune cell not to kill it, the immune cell might be able to successfully attack and kill the cancer cell. 
One way to prevent this interaction from happening was through the development of an antibody that could bind to these proteins and prevent the signal from being transduced from the cancer cell to the immune cell. These drugs change the regulatory balance of the immune system, allowing it to more readily attack. It is akin to taking the brakes off of the immune system. The therapies that were developed from the discoveries that Dr. Allison and Dr. Hanjo won the 2018 Nobel Prize for were both checkpoint inhibitor proteins. Dr. Allison won the Nobel Prize for discovering a drug against the CTLA-4 protein, and Dr. Tasuku Hanjo discovered a very similar protein known as PD-1. These discoveries led to the two most common forms of checkpoint inhibitors that bind to the CTLA-4 and PD-1 proteins. This was a lot to cover, but immune checkpoint inhibitors are just one form of immunotherapy. There are many different types of immunotherapies. So listen to our next episode to learn more about the future of immunotherapy and the way that some of these cancer immunotherapies work. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm excited to be back here with you next episode.